Welcome back to another episode. Today I have Jay Simmons, and he is where? Where are you calling from? Nashville, Tennessee. Actually, Lebanon, just east of Nashville. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm honored that you asked me to be on here. It's pretty awesome. Thank you for agreeing to be on a podcast. Uh, well, yeah, like this. This is a positivity podcast, personal development, and the fact that you're here is because I see those qualities in you, Jay. And oh, that's scary. <laughs> but let's let's start this off on the right way. Are aliens are aliens real? Man, you know what? I don't know. I've never seen one. I've seen people that looked like they were aliens and acting like aliens, but I, <laughs> I don't know if if they're out there. I mean, I don't discount it. There could be aliens. I don't know, but I, man, I don't know. You tell me. Do you think aliens are real? I think so. I think. Well, I don't think they live out in a different planet. I think they're just like interdimensional. But that's. Yeah. That's There's definitely a lot of stuff that is unexplained that makes you wonder. That yeah, apparently sure. in Sedona, the, um, there's like a vortex that little beings come out of. And yeah. People have seen them. Yeah, but I haven't been to Sedona. so I've been to Sedona once, but I don't remember seeing that. But I'll put that on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah. That would be cool. All right, all right. Well, we got the, the big, the pressing question out of the way. All right. My day is complete. <laughs> what do you What do you do for a living? You know, I work in healthcare IT. I work for a company out in Nashville, and uh, I've always been in healthcare IT nerddom, if you will, uh, managing folks that roll out electronic medical records and stuff like that, helping clinicians and clinics and hospitals, primarily clinics. Uh, and that's uh, that's kind of my bread and butter. And and mm-hmm. I've been doing it for, gosh, I feel old all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. A long time, a long time. And, uh, Your career. Uh, yep. Totally my career. Totally what I do. And, uh, I love that I work with people and, and work with technology. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's good stuff. That's awesome. That's a gift, you know, to be able to find something that you're good at and that you can, you know, put your love and effort into it and, you know, keeps you. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's days when it's just a, a J-O-B and you realize it's a paycheck. But for the most part, I'd say a good portion of the time, I love it. Love what I do. Uh, you know, I'm a people person, the, the people interaction. And uh, I've been blessed to be able to travel the country and meet with, you know, providers all over the country from, you know, the middle of nowhere, uh, Texas, you know, Odessa, Texas, all sorts of places, all the way out to Salt Lake and Phoenix and other places. And uh you know, one of the, one of the blessings of it all is you, uh, you get to meet some incredible people. And when you're a people person, you get energy from that. You thrive off that mm-hmm. and seeing other people in different parts of the world, different parts of the U S and seeing how they live and how everybody's different yet the same. It's pretty cool. I love it. Yeah. It's good stuff. Awesome. So what kind of got you started in personal development? Was it like career stuff? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've always been a big Tony, uh, Tony fan, Tony Robbins fan, and mm-hmm. and uh, have have read some of his books, and then finally I jumped into UPW, Unleash the Power Within, mm-hmm. and did it virtually, thanks COVID. And uh, while I would have loved to have done it in person, the value of doing it virtually was still pretty amazing. And I've always been one of those people that have been interested in in improving myself, trying to become a better person, become a better version of Jay. Um, mm-hmm. and that's a struggle, you know, cause you, you, you have in your mind, your own ideas of what's important and what's not important and what you need to improve on. And the older you get, you know, I'm 50 years old, the older you get, the more you realize 
what you need to improve on. And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You look back and you're like, man, I could have done this better. I could have reacted better to this. Um, so I went to Unleash the Power Within and, you know, pretty much went all in as much as you can when you're doing it remotely online. Um, and that really gave me some energy to say, you know what, Jay, you need to, you need to keep working down that, down this path. You need to keep working on this and, and having the ability to, uh, to spend time focused on yourself to try to become a better you. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's just great. It's, it's, it's awesome because you start realizing that everything you do impacts you either positively or negatively. And your thought patterns and your actions and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, when you go to things like that, you start realizing, you know what? I can be a better person. I can be in better health. I can, I can have a better mindset. I can be a better influence. I can be a better husband. I can be a better dad. Uh, you know, all of the above. And uh, yeah, it really, it really just started with Tony Robbins. It was pretty awesome. Did you ever have like beliefs? I know Tony Robbins does a lot of like, um, work on your beliefs that kind of drive drive you. Um, have you been aware of any beliefs that like you could have like died for and then later realized that they could be reevaluated? Has that been something? Oh gosh, that's a tough question. Uh, off the cuff, no. I mean, mm -hmm. I've always, you know, you know, there's two different kinds of beliefs. There's beliefs as far as religion is concerned, what you what you believe with your soul and your mm -hmm. purpose and your reasoning for everything. And I certainly have that. And, and that has changed over time a little bit. Um, and then there's beliefs as far as what you believe to be true that may not be true. Um, and I can't think of anything off the cuff that comes to mind. You know, um, the, the drastic differences were really more about having an ability to, you know, the old saying, if you're in the middle of the forest, you can't see the trees. Mm -hmm. So having the ability to step out of the woods and take a, a, a 30,000 foot view of your life and what you're doing and how you're reacting to your, your emotions and everybody else and realizing that you have an opportunity to improve those. And, and when you step back and do that, then you start seeing all the influences you can have, not just on others, but on yourself. And then that it leads to a better quality of life and, and, and a better ability to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish because you see it in a different light. Okay. Yeah. I think um, part of that personal growth is reevaluating like um, what we, what we think we know and, you know, re unlearning like you, we were talking about uh, how TV uh, it was called programming mm -hmm. like and how we there are a lot of things in society just um we kind of just took it and we didn't question it and uh it's it does drive a lot of our you know what we do and how we operate in life and um i think with personal development and, and at least in my experience it's just questioning a lot of the things totally. that we do totally you know i uh, i i'm not money driven i'm people driven mm -hmm. i'm a people person and you know, you grow up and you see all the, all the ads on TV and now you've got TikTok and you've got Instagram and you've got Facebook and you've got, I mean, you're just inundated with stuff and all this stuff is telling you, you need to be this and you need to buy this to be this kind of person. And mm -hmm. you deserve this and you've earned this. And in my book, that's all bunk. It's people doing a great job of marketing and doing a great job of, of programming you mm -hmm. to do what they want you to do. And until you go down the road of personal development, you don't always realize 
the impact of all that programming coming at you on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, I've got a, an amazing 16 year old daughter. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to teach her is look, you're, you're covered up with all this stuff. That's not the real world. It's people trying to tell you what they want you to do and how you want, Mm -hmm. how they want you to act and what they want you to spend your money on. Um, but of course, when I was 16, it was a whole different world back then, you know, and and you don't always know, you don't, you don't, you don't always understand the depth of all that programming. So, uh, Definitely. Um, yeah. Social media or, you know, even the world we live in, it's a, it's a tool. It's a double-edged sword. Like uh, it, <laughs> it can be used for good or, or bad. And um, yeah. I think that's something we all are learning as we go is uh, how to, how to use it. Cause um, I mean, because of the internet, we were able to meet and we're able to talk right now and that's yeah. a positive thing, but at the same time, and also a lot of jobs are even going on the internet. <laughs> You're right. I mean, there's a lot of good. There, there's there's yeah. good and bad, and you've just got to pick it out. You know, I uh, uh, last year I took a break from Facebook for a little while, and it was kind of interesting. I found myself not knowing what to do with myself mm-hmm. because I was so used to spending so much time looking up people and posting and all that stuff. Um, but after a short amount of time, I realized, you know what? I have time to do things with family, and I have time to read books and other things that I've always wanted to do and uh, change my priorities. And that's, you said a whole year? No, no, no. A couple of months. A couple of months. Yeah. I didn't last very long. Yeah, <laughs> it was tough. great while it lasted, but yeah, I admit I was kind of weak. <laughs> yeah. I heard uh, Selena Gomez, she doesn't even go on the internet. She posted something. Isn't that crazy? Uh, like she just has a team and she's, and she's happy. <laughs> she put, yeah. she's, she's happy and not, you know, I think that's something, you know, we can, we can all take is maybe take some time off and see the you difference. Know, you're right. You quality of life, quality of life. And what impacts your quality of life? Well, a lot, there's a lot of things that impact your quality of life. What a lot of people don't realize is you have control of what impacts your quality of life. You mm-hmm. really do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, if you let yourself be programmed by that stuff, it's definitely going to change it. So, yes, interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. What uh, what practices do you incorporate? You know, to to find this awareness. You know, it's kind of interesting. I'm I'm fairly new on this journey working with with a, a life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention him him on here or not. Uh, but but yeah. <laughs> Neil Conlon, you know, I started working with him and, and uh, being a part of his organization and uh, meeting, had Neil. Yeah. Yeah, meeting you and others through it. It's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, so, you know, some of the practices that I'm really focused on right now is gratitude, gratitude for everything, even for the bad times. Um, we've all been through tough job situations. We've all been through tough family situations. We've all been mm-hmm. through. Uh, all, all the life situations of stress and, and um, you know, people have talked to me before about having gratitude for that. And it was so foreign. I struggled with that. I, mm-hmm. There's times when people told me, Jay, you just need to have gratitude. And I wanted to tell them you're, you're full of crap. <laughs> you know, how do you have gratitude for a bad situation? But what I've realized is in those bad situations, good things happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, recently uh, dealing with, with my father's passing and having to move my mom to an assisted living and, and all the chaos and drama that surrounds the decisions that have to be made dealing with family and everything. 
uh, is a huge stressor. But what I've also realized is during that time, I spent more time with mom than I probably ever have since I moved out of the house. And I've learned more about my father talking to my mom and learned more about the things that my parents went through as they were growing up. Stuff that had we not gone down this road, I don't know that I would have spent that time with her and learned all this. So I have, uh, while I hate the difficult life changes, the reality is I have so much gratitude for the opportunity to learn so much more about my family and what they've been through prior to me being born and what went on in the, as I was a child that I didn't always see and didn't know about. And, you know, what my parents were like when they were dating and what my grandparents were like when they were younger and stuff like that. So you start having gratitude for learning the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And you also have gratitude for learning the hard times they went through and how they made it through it. Because it's an example to me of, man, you can make it through anything. You don't think you can, but you can. Um, so yeah, I'd say the biggest thing that I've learned is gratitude. It's, it's, it's just, it's what it's about. It really is. Yes. And um, yeah, that's something I, you know, try to practice and something that came up to me. It's like, uh, I think Tony says, it's like our biggest problem is that we think we shouldn't have any or some yeah. along the lines. And yeah, we're, we're here on this earth to grow. I mean, if, if it weren't for all the challenges, it'd be pretty boring. It'd be just, everything would be gravy and it'd be boring probably. It really would. It really would. So yeah. <laughs> There's good stuff that comes out of everything. It's all about your perception and it's all about your beliefs and, and uh, you know, where you put your energy. And if you put yeah. your energy into being miserable and frustrated, congratulations. That's you're what you'll get be. More. You're going to get more of it. Yeah. Where energy, yeah, where energy goes or something like that. Focus goes. Where focus goes, energy flows. You're right. You're exactly right. Yeah. Focus on gratitude and life might give you things to be grateful for. More things. That is true. That's the way it works. It really does. So along with the thing that you do for a living in healthcare, you also do, I guess, side gigs. Is that right? Like Bitcoin? And, you know, every person in IT I know has got stuff they do on the side. I, uh, I do some networking for some folks and some wireless networking and stuff like that. I've got a uh, that 501 uh, called Grace and Glory that I'm executive director of that I work with. And uh, I'm helping Neil with a few things. And yeah, I'm one of those people. I'm always doing something. I'm always busy Same and uh, probably thing. to a fault, frankly. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the old saying is anytime we used to try to go on a vacation, it usually would take me about two days to wind down because my mind was just running on everything going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I tend to tend to dip my toes in too much stuff and I tend to tend to volunteer for too much stuff. I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. not easy. Saying no is, is also something, a superpower sometimes. Learn knowing how to say no. You're right. Yeah, it really is. It's something I'm, I'm, I'm working on. It's a, it's a constant battle. It is. Well, I volunteer at church and do a lot of work with church. I just, I don't know. Step one is acknowledging, knowing, being aware. Yeah, sure. But is. let's talk about grace and glory. You said it's in Haiti. Yeah, so uh, um, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. There's a school down in Haiti. It's in Lanzac, Haiti, about two hours outside of Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And the story goes ten, uh, nine years ago, ten years ago, um, a couple, a lady by the name of Tana and a man by the name of Chad Clark, Tana and Chad Clark, were down in Haiti, and they were working with an organization called Souls for Souls, providing shoes, and, and um, Tana wanted to find a way to help. 
And uh, uh, she initially thought about adopting some kids. And after much discussion with her husband, they, he said, you know what, why don't you start a school down here? Why don't you do something like that? So make a long story short, she started a school and, you know, they had 20 kids in Lanzac and, it, you know, it was growing and, and doing well. Well, fast forward to five years into it, and uh, I met Tana and her husband, and uh, um, they had been through some tough times. He had, he had cancer. He gotten diagnosed with cancer, um, and, you know, the school was at 100 kids. It was growing. It was getting big, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, randomly, one night, I got a text from him, and he said, uh, it was from, from Chad, and he said, hey, Jay, he said, uh, we're taking a staycation in town. You know, we were trying to go to Florida, but with my health, we can't go. And he said, could you run by our hotel in the morning and bring Cinnabon? I thought, okay, that's an odd request, but sure. Why not? So uh, I met him at their hotel the next morning. They sent the kids downstairs to eat breakfast. And Chad just told me, he said, Jay, he said, you know, we don't know how much time I've got left. And at the time we were thinking he probably had six months left before he was going to pass and tough stuff. And, and he said, but I'm worried when I pass that Tana won't be able to keep this thing going. And he said, you know, we've got three kids. Life is busy. Will, will you commit to making sure it goes, it runs? And I was, I mean, what do you say? Of course. Yeah, man. I mean, you can't say no to that. And, and I didn't want to say no. Three days later, he passed. Uh, was a shock to my system, to put it mildly. So I've been involved with Grace and Glory for the past five years and have been down there uh, four times, I believe. I'm hoping to go sometime in the next month. And what it is, is we have a school that's now up to 300 kids that we have built. And the goal is to break the cycle of poverty. We don't come in there and give them stuff. We teach them. So we have Haitian teachers that we pay to teach in this school. It is uh, the country of Haiti does recognize it as a school. We uh, feed the kids lunch five days a week. We educate them in a classroom. Um, we clothe them so they have clothes for school. Um, and we're just, the goal is just to teach them and break the cycle. And, uh, you know, when we go down there and, and see these students, these kids and their families, it is unbelievable. Cause you know, Haiti has been through so much. Haiti has been through hurricanes and, you know, they went through a massive earthquake that killed thousands. They have been through so much. And even as far as recently in the last year, um, their president was, was assassinated and they, it's just a tough country, mm-hmm. but where the school is, is in a very safe area. Like I said, it's a couple of hours outside of Port-au-Prince and uh, we have these beautiful children, these amazing children, and we're educating them and, uh, it's, it's, man, it's the, one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. I mean, to go down there and spend time with these kids that are so thankful for the simplest of things that we take for granted in the States. There's nothing like it. I think everybody should have to go to a third world country and understand how good we've got it and understand how important it is to help these children. I mean, you know, people sponsor these children for 30 bucks a month and it covers their food and everything else you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I don't judge people that don't want to help that they help in the States or help wherever they go. You just, you've got to give back. You've got to give back and you have to do your own version of giving back. For me, one of the ways that I do it is, is Haiti. And this year I became the executive director and we're doing everything we can to get all these children sponsored and to get the word out and, uh, working with some, some amazing people to, to get that done. So yeah, it's, it's just amazing, man. You can go to uh, www.ggkids.org and see all about it. It's amazing. Thanks for asking about that. I can talk about that for hours. 
<laughs> well, yeah, they, they say the secret of living is giving. And yeah, I mean, I try to help and well, people around me and wherever, wherever, like the universe just pops up people that need help. And yeah, yeah, it, you do feel feel good <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of selfish if you think about it you know it, it comes around <laughs> it comes around what goes around comes around and you know the interesting thing about that is it doesn't have to be a financial gift you don't have to give and spend money necessarily there's so many ways you can give sometimes the simplest thing is cooking for somebody or mm-hmm. rolling a neighbor's trash that down to the end of the street somebody that's elderly or taking care of your mom or doing, doing mm-hmm. whatever you have to do mm-hmm. you know it's 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 just helping others and i think uh you know, for me, that's, that's one of the main reasons we're here is to help others. We're here to take care of others, you know, and, and no matter what your belief system is, mm-hmm. to my knowledge, there's not a, a belief system out there that is not about taking care of others and helping those in need. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Christian and my belief is, look, you gotta, you gotta take care of the widows and you've gotta, you gotta take care of the orphans. And, but it doesn't mm-hmm. stop there. I mean, in, in, in my belief system, it is all about being there for others. And I know that uh, all the other beliefs that I'm aware of, they're the same. Take care of people. It's not just about you. Yeah. you take care of people and you help others. It makes a big difference. It really does. It does. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, being altru- altruistic and yeah, like I said, it's kind of a selfish thing in a way because you do it and you feel good. I, I, you I, I'm the one I, I could say from experience, personal experience. Yeah. So um, let me turn the table on you. So what has been the most rewarding thing that you've done when it comes to giving back? What comes to mind? There's this one lady that lives near me and, you know, sometimes I go and check up on her and she she's she needs financial help so i help her financially and uh, i just see like how grateful she is and i just feel kind of like it's bigger than me it's it's like divine almost uh, just being able to help and i mean so yeah like you said though maybe helping them with food or helping people need with food and things that doesn't have to be money um yeah yeah, that's rewarding And, and just uh being open to, to helping. Absolutely. I'm telling you, having, having grace and being thankful for everything you have, as well as helping others um, and, and and accepting help when you need it too. I mean, it's, it's a two way uh, street. Uh, It's kind of interesting. I had a conversation with somebody not so long ago who was struggling uh, with a plethora of things. And, and I just told him, I said, man, pick up the phone and call me. Let me, let me help you out. If, if you need me to do something, I'll do it. If you just need someone to talk to, I'm there for you. And he said, yeah, he said, you know, the problem is I'm used to being on the giving side. I said, man, I get it. I get it. Those of us that are givers are givers. And, you know, my grandfather always said there's givers and takers and no in between and, and appears to be fairly true. (laughs) Um, But no matter who you are, if you're a giver, you, you still need help on occasion and it's okay to ask for help. And uh, I think you have to find a happy medium between the two and just realize that, man, we're all human. And by you allowing people to help you, you're allowing them to feel good too. Right. You're allowing them that opportunity to give. Mm-hmm. So you got to do both. You really do. It's, it's cool. Yeah. 
So you, you're also a pilot? I am. Yeah, that, that's uh, scary, huh? So when I, when I was a kid, <laughs> I, uh, when I was a kid, my dad uh, went and got his pilot's license and uh, had a couple of different airplanes through the years and got me interested. And many, many years ago, I started flying with him and I went and got my pilot's license. And I don't know how I passed the test some days. Um, I haven't flown in the last six months. I don't have an airplane uh, just because life and, and I have a child. So that's my airplane, you know, so that's where the money goes and I'm okay with that. But, uh, but I love to fly. I love to fly and I uh, uh, get up in that airplane and just get in the zone, man. You know, it's much like, you know, people meditate and do other things for me. I get in the airplane, I focus on flying and I think about nothing else. And, you know, getting above the chaos of the earth is just peaceful. Now, every now and then, weather gets a little hairy and it wakes you up. But what's the furthest <laughs> you've flown? What's the furthest you've flown? Oh goodness! I think the furthest I've flown was to Kalispell, Montana, from Nashville, taking an airplane out there to have some work done. And I don't remember how long a flight it was, but it was a long flight with multiple stops. Uh, and another flight was from Nashville down to Fort Lauderdale, but I was in a little bitty airplane that flew at about eighty miles an hour. So it took four ever forever so um you know and i've flown up to oshkosh wisconsin a couple of times for the big air show up there so uh all sorts of different places you know it's uh but it's great i mean it's just amazing it's it's so much fun it's, yeah i do that and i scuba dive and i haven't been scuba diving in a while either matter of fact i don't know that i could fit my wetsuit i'm working on that right now <laughs> so but yeah you know you gotta stay active you gotta stay active yeah did do you have to get a, like uh, a license for scuba diving? Yep. I went to school and took a written test and uh, they have different certifications, but they're kind of all, all the same for the first level. It's, uh, I went through a company called SSI. It's a certification, but there's also PADI, P-A-D-I, several different ones. So, um, you know, once, uh, once snorkeling, you don't need it, but if you're going to scuba dive, yeah, you have to, you have to go through some training and take mm -hmm. a written test to get signed off on it. That way you don't uh, die. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's fun stuff. I love it. It's good yeah. stuff. Why? Why do you have to go going backwards when you're on the boat? When you scuba well, you know the reason you do that is you've got all that equipment on you. If you go forward mm -hmm. and your tank hits the boat, it's gonna hurt. It's yeah. gonna hurt. Might knock it off. Might cause you some problems. So if you fall backwards, you don't have to worry about something getting hung up on the back of the boat. Mm, yeah, makes it easier. Yeah, when you go forward, you're gonna hit the boat. I tell you, if you get it, it all depends on how you do it, I guess. But yeah, yeah, we uh, we went scuba diving. My wife and I went scuba diving down in um, uh, the British Virgin Islands many years ago. There's a wreck down there, hundred year old Ooh. wreck. And yeah. in the, in the British Virgin Islands, they have this wreck called the Wreck of the Rhone, R H O N E, and it's a hundred year old boat that's in a hundred feet of water, and it's clear as a bell. And we went scuba diving and mm. got to see that. And, oh man, just beautiful. Just beautiful. what what happened to the boat? What was no this is a boat that sank in a storm a hundred years ago and was sitting on the ocean floor so we went diving down to it and got to mm. see it yeah it's pretty cool have you ever been to bermuda triangle is that that's not, not near the virgin island no no virgin island is a little bit further south than that no i haven't uh i haven't been there i always kind of yeah. wondered about it i remember as a kid heard about all the airplanes that used to disappear when they flew through it and all that kind of stuff right yeah well that's a thing, right? The boats yeah. go missing, airplanes. <laughs> Say it's crazy. Yeah. It'd be neat to go see it, but then I, I want to live. As so. a scuba diver, what, what, it, what it is, 
is it like super deep over there or it's just you know separate? as a scuba diver you don't want to go much past at first level scuba diver you don't want to go much past 100 feet i mean most of the scuba diving you're going to do is around 60 feet deep mm-hmm. um, but as you get into different it's certification deep. certifications you can go deeper and deeper and you can go into caves and get certified for cave diving and stuff like that mm-hmm. i have no interest in doing that i have a, a healthy fear of water Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pretty comfortable staying in 60 feet, 70 feet where the water's really clear on, on a good calm day. Yeah. Um, when it gets, gets deeper than that, I get a little bit unnerved. So I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm not a real good swimmer. Yeah. I can float and I can swim, but I'm not good at it. Never. How long, it. how long do the tanks last? Uh, you know, it depends on how, how fast you're breathing. If you're relaxed mm-hmm. and everything, you're doing a two tank dive. If I recall it, they were lasting about 40 minutes, give or take. Okay. But you, you know, you have a little meter on your, on your, uh, BC, which is called your, your Dell vest that you wear. And it's connected to your tanks to show you how much air you've got left in them and stuff. So you're always kind of watching that. You gotta, you gotta pay attention. You don't run out of air. It'd it bite if you did. <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You can go treasure hunting if you wanted yeah. to. Yeah, you gotta go some crazy places for that kind of stuff. I think that's a little bit out of my range. Yeah, you probably have to like buy your own boat and yeah, do your, yeah, do your own financing if you want to. Yeah, you gotta have deep fund it, fund fund your treasure hunting. <laughs> yeah, you sure do. Cabbages. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Good stuff. Wow. Bitcoin is that something you do? Yeah, I'm into Bitcoin. I've been learning about you know during the COVID stuff. You know, we all been sitting at home and. Uh, I went through a time where I was kind of in between jobs and I was like, I'm going to learn about Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And so I've started buying in Bitcoin many years ago and I've been doing the, the dollar cost averaging, just putting a little bit of money in every paycheck and stuff like that. Um, and it's done well, mm-hmm. you know, it's not climbed up as quickly as all of us thought it would. And, you know, it goes yeah. up and down and, uh, you know, with, with everything that's going on in the world, the war in Ukraine and just oh, the mm-hmm. gas prices and inflation and, all the stuff that's going on, Bitcoin is not the most stable thing right now. So I'm kind of one of those people right. where I've stopped trading. I just put money in periodically and just let it sit right. and truly believe that one day it will have a large value. Um, but I'm in, I mean, I'm in no rush. I'd like for it to happen quick, but it, you know, anything right. worthwhile like that, you just have to be patient with it. Right. I think so. if you want, like you're trying to make money, like on a day, it's like day trading is probably a better option or- yeah, you know, I tried the the version of day trading using crypto and and it did not work out well. I lost money and I quit that real quick. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us have tried <laughs> d- dabbling with day trading or I, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh you got to really know what you're doing and mm-hmm. uh, today you're taking a lot of risk. Yeah, it's it's a gamble. It, yeah. it really is. You don't gamble with it if you're not willing to lose it. And Lord knows I have lost some money, so uh yeah, it's it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. so men's accountability groups you think that's you know that's a game changer you know it really is um i mean let's just be real we've got a mental health crisis going on in the country and and really in the world yeah and and the stress that folks are under is is incredible for mm-hmm. a multitude of reasons and if you can get involved in a men's accountability group it can be life-changing it really can if you're a man i mean if yeah. And there's women, the accountability groups too. I mean, there's all sorts of them, but getting, getting involved in something. And for me, getting in, account, in the accountability group has been 
phenomenal because it has allowed me to get feedback on things going on in my life, to mm-hmm. give feedback to others that are going through things that I might have been through, and to, to get clarity and instruction from an accountability leader that knows what he's doing. I mean, you look at Neil Conlon, uh, dude knows his stuff. He's amazing. He's really incredible. And he's got stories and he's been through so much in life that he knows how to coach men and apparently women too. And having an accountability group where you're hearing from someone like him, or you're hearing from people in the group mm-hmm. that are, are different, but like-minded different in the sense then since that they're from all over the country, they've been through different things. They all have different visions of life, similar in that they all want to be better. Mm-hmm. And that allows all of us to come together and learn from each other. Mm-hmm. That allows us to appreciate our differences with each other. That allows us to have conversations that in the public setting where you don't have the security of an accountability group would be considered a bad thing or could be, uh, you know, uh, causing strife and anger and frustration and stuff like that. But when you get in an accountability group, people speak to each other differently because you have grace for each other and you have love for each other and you have an understanding that stuff that's being said is from the heart and is legit. Mm-hmm. It's not bunk to get other people riled up. The goal is not to, to get people upset and tense or jack with people. The goal is to find the commonalities and work through problems and help each other. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, last night I was on an accountability call and, and uh, hearing the men talk about stuff that they were going through. And, and one of the things that came up was anxiety, how people deal with anxiety. And uh, one of the gentlemen talked about uh, how he deals with anxiety and, and some of the stuff that he's gone through. Um, it just gives you another perspective and, and you can choose to learn from that or you can choose to just listen and not take anything from it. But, but at the end of the day, no matter what, what you do know is that there is a common respect and a common love and a common bond among the folks on that call, because we're all supporting each other mm-hmm. from those calls. You know what? You get relationships outside of the calls. You end up with chats or WhatsApp chats or whatever, where people are sharing stuff. And, uh, you know, I've gotten texts from people from the group that, that are in, in crisis and just need somebody to talk to. And yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's, it's back to our earlier conversation about helping each other, right? Yeah. Full disclosure, that's how this podcast started because we're part Absolutely. of the accountability group. Yeah. And, and relationships start. And yeah, like you said, we all come from different backgrounds. I'm Mexican from Chicago. And I would never have thought meeting somebody from Tennessee, Nashville. Oh, yeah, man. I'm Southern biscuit fried. I live, I live in Lebanon, East Nashville, the home of Cracker Barrel, baby. Waffle House bread. I'm telling you, man, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, it's awesome that it's coming from different backgrounds. We're brothers. Um, and we, we're here on this, on, on this day and on this earth at the same time. It's, 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 and it's like you said, yeah, we do, we do uh, work better in tribes, I guess. I mean, we've been doing it for since the beginning of time, just working and, and communion and yeah. And tribes, I guess that's how it started. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if you think about it back in the, the days before you and I were born, families stayed together. Families lived in the same place. And I don't just mean immediate family. I mean, extended families too. And even when I was younger, I remember getting together with family and with, with cousins and all this stuff. And over mm-hmm. time, 
because of the, in my opinion, because of the connectivity, because of the availability of cell phones and computers and all these programs, people don't get together anymore. And also because everybody's so busy trying to do their own thing and mm-hmm. it changes. Well, what we lost was a sense of community. We lost that camaraderie that we used to have, where we used to know all of our neighbors and we used to regularly see all of our family members and we used to take care of our family members. And now I think we're seeing a little bit of the tide turning because people are realizing we need that. We have to have that. And that most likely is one of the many answers to the mental crisis that we're seeing is having that community. So uh, definitely answers to a lot of things. Um, and yeah, people are at least, I guess us having this conversation are waking up. We're, we're realizing that, that, that happened, I guess what, what happens when we isolate and we want to do our own thing. I mean, cause I guess in America, that's like, we're very individualistic and yeah. that's what we were taught but it's just this is where it led it just led to a lot of polarization and Mm -hmm. and just yeah we nature works together i mean the birds and the flowers and the squirrels the trees they're working together in a big ecosystem and they're actually pumping each other up to grow yeah and they're cheering cheering each other on that's a beautiful thing the stars the stars the planets you know they're you're right we're all in this universe working together. Why, why are we as humans um, trying to be different? Why don't we just look at what works? You're right. You're, you're spot on. You're spot on, Kristen. And you know, the interesting thing is we were never meant to be isolated. And if you look at most of the tragedies where people have quote unquote broken mentally and done bad things, they were the people that were isolated. They were the outcast, if you will. They were the people that did not have a tribe. They were the people that deal with the stress that you and I deal with on a daily basis too, but they didn't have anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, recently there uh, was, was a shooting uh, up in New York city and, you know, on the train up there and smoke bombs and craziness and all that stuff and come to find out who they think did it. And, and again, uh, they think I have to use air quotes on that. Mm-hmm. Did it was, was a bit of a loner who was a bit of an outcast, who was going through mental crisis. Uh, you look at what went on in Las Vegas not so long, long ago with the guy shooting from the top of the Mandalay Bay. You look at the, here in Nashville, we had a bomb go off last year. This guy drove downtown and parked his RV and uh, set off a bomb. We looked at his history and it's all over the news and everywhere talking about his history. And it's a classic example of, People that did not have anybody in their tribe. They didn't have a tribe. They didn't have anybody on their side of the court. Mm -hmm. And if you don't realize that you've got to have a tribe and have that closeness, then you're going to suffer. And the degree of suffering is really up to you. But if you're willing to get involved in an accountability group or a tribe or whatever you want to call it, I guarantee you, you'll see some relief. Yeah. But you got to participate. You got to participate. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think we touched on a good, good point. Um, community and we're all in it together. Um, helping you helps me, vice versa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, you, uh, we, we, we need to change our definitions of success. Success is not having the most toys and the most money. Success is not living in a mansion on a hill in my book. Success mm-hmm. is having people around you that love you for who you are. Mm-hmm. Success is, is loving people for who they are and meeting them where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one thing that Neil likes to talk about is holding space for each other. And holding space for each other is critical. You have to have that space for yourself and others have to have it too. And that means, that means giving and relating and loving. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure. You know, it's not that hard, but you have to make a focused effort. Definitely. Our priorities have to be reevaluated. And, but yeah, man, I mean, that the purpose of this podcast is to like give people hope and you know some golden nuggets you know you know this is what's worked for us and you know everybody's free to do what they want but sure for but sure. If, you're, if you're somebody who's like um, looking for for a community there's there's a lot of them you know just they're look. out there they're out there you know the the biggest thing is seek help when you need it there is no shame in needing help because there's not a person on this earth that doesn't need help. You know, if you're going through crisis, whether it's, it's, it's a crisis of family, a mental crisis, a crisis with your job, whatever the crisis is, man, surround yourself with good people. And if you don't know how to do that, reach out to us, go to neilconlin.com. I mean, there, there's, and you don't have to pay. There's a million resources out there, but the, mm-hmm. the key is take the step and take the ownership of where you are so you can move to a better place. Don't become the victim. Don't become the person that lets everybody uh, walk all over them and lets the situations run you into the ground and suck the life out of you. You have to own the situation you're in and make the first step to get out of it. And people will help you. But if you don't own it, if you don't make the effort, you'll never get out of it. You've got to take that first step. But once you take that first step and you surround yourself with good people, You'll go hand in hand with other folks and get right through it. And it works. It really does work. We've all been through crisis before. Definitely. All right. Well, I think this has been a very good podcast. Um, where can they find your, uh, the nonprofit? ggkids.org. www.ggkids.org. And uh, man, thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk. And uh, yeah, I love seeing you on the accountability calls and hearing what you're doing. And, and man, you're awesome. You're mm-hmm. awesome. I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, I'll also post Neil's link on there too. Give him a shout out. He's yeah. a good uh, coach. And uh, well, Stay tuned for the next episode. (laughs) All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jay.